0: Hi everyone, this is Damian John of Massage Therapy Now. Welcome back after the summer. So happy to have you here, listening. It is a new season as it were. It is 2019 and it is the fall. So get your warm comfies on and have a listen. The first show, the audio quality is a little all over the place. Maybe because I've been off the game for the summer. Maybe because I'm just not technically able enough to figure things out. It could be any mixture of those. Still very listenable. Uh, And it is just a little bit clipped and you'll notice some of the audio goes up and down a little bit I've tried to fix this by adding a little bit of music as we Transition to new spaces and hopefully it works for you Uh, If you have any comments or concerns or thoughts, you can throw them at me and I will try to address them and um, Again, I'm super happy to have you here Without further ado, here's our show for the week All right. Good day, everybody. This is Damian John, and this is Massage Therapy Now. Today's guest is a hardworking man behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, sometimes at the RMTVC. He's the current executive director, and today on the show, he's going to tell us about a lot of new and interesting things happening in uh, Massage Therapy Association land. And Hopefully, if there's any questions, uh, these will all be answered. Also, very importantly, if you're listening to this podcast before this weekend, which is September 22nd, or the date that's important is September 22nd, the annual general meeting for the RMTBC is happening on that day in Burnaby. You can sign up by phoning the RMTBC or by going to the website and registering online. So my guest today is Gordon McDonald. Welcome, Gordon.
1: Thanks, Damien. Glad to to be here.
0: Gordon and I are going to explore a big list of things that the Registered Massage Therapy Association has been involved in. They bounce around and are all over the place and are totally useful to those of you who are association members or who are thinking of becoming members. Also useful to people who are just interested in manual therapy in general and what different associations are doing to improve things like registered massage therapy in the province, nationally and internationally. So go for it, Gordon. Tell us what's going down.
1: Over the last little while, the the board and I have been, uh, the board did a strategic planning session back in June. And out of that came some pretty exciting things, which I thought maybe we could share with the audience today. Yeah, great. From time to time, we've seen Our memberships start to wane and all of our funding for the most part comes from the membership. The bigger the membership, the more the revenue, the greater the revenue, the more things of value we can add to having that membership. So... Uh, One of the things that we are looking at doing and will be doing is increasing our exposure with the schools. So um, for those who received our uh, weekly uh, e-newsletter blast, uh, you'll see that Kirk Obie is now the school liaison officer. Kirk's role in that will be to uh, go out to each of the schools through a variety of the terms that are happening within those programs and talk about the uh, resources that are available to students
0: so for students there are some specific resources case study awards of up to two thousand dollars with the publishing on the rmtbc website there's a school scholarship students eligible for a thousand dollar scholarship both of those are super cool there's access to the librarian which isn't specific to students but it is useful there's a lot of books and resources that aren't part of Uh, student syllabus that the RMTBC has. So if there is ever any extra time or want for extra reading, which as a student, I don't know if there is, but (laughs) if there is, the access to the library and the librarian is right there, you would contact the office and contact Claire Cote, and you can see the catalog online. They use a program called TinyCat to uh, catalog the resources. There's also access to medical forms and clinical forms. And there's probably some other things that I'm not mentioning that are there, but these are a few of the resources that are available to students specifically.
1: The board has determined that a nominal fee of $50 is going to be introduced starting October 1st for student membership. That will entitle the student to access of all those resources, which includes the ability to purchase our malpractice insurance when they graduate and before they become registered as an RMT.
0: Student costs for a membership are now $50 a year. Super reasonable still. It's a nominal fee. Is there a reason that the board put a cost behind the student membership?
1: It's a nominal fee, and and, and from the board's perspective, if you... Have a little bit of skin in the game, you see the value in it to a greater extent. So I think that putting that that fee against the student membership, uh, inevitably, you know, the the monies will be used to, to again, provide more resources as as necessary. So the schools are being asked to become members because I think it's important that educational institutions in any profession support the, the profession through the association. So over and above uh, having the school liaison, we've now developed a new process for seed grants. So in the past, we had uh, awarded seed grants to a number of research projects. We've actually formalized that now. And I'm happy to report that, in fact, about uh, three weeks ago, we actually the board actually awarded a $16,000 seed grant to the University cool. of British Columbia in Northern B.C., for an MLD concussion study pilot project, which will uh, involve two RMTs who are members of the association. The association sending, uh, we can send up pull-ups uh, advertising the benefits of massage therapy. We'll send a, uh, a package of swag to an individual who's going to a healthcare fair, and we'll pay their entry fee up to $200 uh, for them to, to do that. We've had a pretty good uptake on that. We'd like to continue and grow that program because I think it's really, uh, you know, it benefits not only the practitioner in their local area, but it also, you know, speaks volumes, I think, to the greater community um, that, uh, you know, the membership is engaged and interested in their profession and uh, are great advocates for-
0: Switching gears a little bit, the RMTBC has launched their new website to rave reviews, which is amazing. It's just in time for the renewals, which happen on October 1st, and it is the access point for signing up for the AGM, which is happening this weekend. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, Gordon?
1: September the 22nd, uh, we're having our AGM at the uh, Delta Marriott Hotel and Casino in Burnaby. Um, we have invited and uh, the registrar of the College of Massage Therapists has uh, graciously um, accepted our invitation. He'll be attending our AGM, which, uh, which is a great thing. Um, we've been uh, advertising, in fact, for them. Um, in respect to their new practice advisor position that they are looking to fill. So that's been some, you know, some good partnerships there. Um, We have a tremendous partnership with the Massage Therapy Foundation and the American Massage Therapy Association. Both those organizations have been, um, have been great to work with Um, the uh, ability for members to our members to access the uh, MTF who, We'll have a new website coming this week, um, but to access, uh, you know, their their webcasts uh, around, uh, you know, as an example, how to write a case study, how to become engaged in uh, in research within the uh, massage therapy world—all good stuff—and all accessible to our members through their their membership with us. So, so we, uh, you know, we're going to continue to strengthen that uh, that partnership. In fact. Um, an abstracts being drawn up by them, where we've been invited to talk about the collaborative nature of um, of our partnership in uh, working in healthcare, and so uh, you know we're looking forward to that. That hopefully the abstract will be for a presentation that we will do if we're accepted in Cleveland, uh, Ohio next, next spring.
0: What are some of the benefits of partnering with these various associations?
1: And we've been uh, putting that out in our e-newsletter is that student members can actually apply if they have a case study for their case study award along with ours. There's also a community grant process that they have, uh, which, you know, again, we're, you know, they're encouraging both our members and ourselves to become involved in. So we'll be looking at over the next little while, Rob Hemsworth, who is our director of research, and I um, will be having some discussions with the uh, MTF and AMTA, to talk about how we can uh, maybe leverage some of our uh, research funds along with theirs for some further research projects.
0: How else are you increasing value for RMTBC members?
1: So one of the things that members will be receiving in the next little while is our member assistance program, LifeWorks. Which we've had a, a fairly decent uptake on. They have uh, they have now updated their program, and as such, um, they've developed a new portal that our members will be able to access. So if an individual has issues around. You know, questions around their personal finance, you know, something happening within their family situation. Um, They have counseling services that are available, and this is all at no cost to the member. And so they have this new portal that will be coming on stream within the next week or so. And one of the interesting parts of that is they actually have a new affinity program with over 300 um, suppliers. To which our members will be able to get uh, considerable discounts, and that runs the gamut from uh, Tim Hortons all the way up to car rental companies, uh, the Hudson's Bay Company, et cetera. So between you know between the affinity program that uh, LifeWorks will be offering and the you know the the meaningful resources that they have available to our members, uh, I think people will be will be pleased with the enhancements that are coming on stream.
0: Some other cool things that need mentioning, the RMTBC has gone more green by outsourcing their accounting, so there's no more paper trails, which is super cool. They've been developing really good partnerships with Relaxus. ICBC has been pleased with RMTBC's role in the recent changeover, so keeping ICBC happy is always a a bonus. Things like the Pacific Blue Cross, uh, they're being worked with in relation to things around billing issues. Another pretty cool development is this work towards uh, more robust disability insurance. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: So we, so one of the things that I think that historically at the association there's been an interest by a number of members around having a disability plan. Um, unfortunately, you know, when when we've had those discussions with um, with insurance brokers and insurance carriers, one of the one of the dif- deciding factors is the number of individuals who actually would be engaged in that disability plan. Uh, I I just returned from the Canadian Massage Therapy Alliance's um, national meeting this uh, past weekend. And um, it was interesting that some of our colleagues in the other associations across Canada have actually been investigating um, that same piece around a disability plan. So I'm, I'm hoping that from a national perspective, we may actually um, jointly be able to develop a plan that everybody across the country can enter into because of course, the more numbers there are, the lower the, the uh, fees are for engagement in that. So currently the, you know, we do have an arrangement with Wilson Beck, our broker um, who um, you know has a a disability plan on an individual basis, you know, so members can access that through through Wilson through Wilson Beck. But um, you know, I think more importantly, if we can develop something nationally, that would I think be beneficial to uh, both our members and the other association membership.
0: So we've been speaking to the benefits of a membership. They're different for individuals and schools. One of the benefits to the schools that we forgot to mention was a cultural awareness course. Can you speak to that a little bit, Gordon?
1: For a school that's a member of the RMTBC, one of the uh, resources that we uh, will be putting forward is um, the cultural awareness uh, program. I think in respect to the uh, reconciliation, which I think everyone uh, agrees is an an important uh, issue that we all need to tackle. I think that, uh, you know, it's incumbent upon associations of ours and, and others, hopefully, um, that uh, they provide resources to educational institutions around that. So, uh, Damien, you're the sort of the facilitator of that. When we supported it in the past, we had good uptake from our members, and we'd like to instill that into the schools now. So... Um, as such, you know, any school that's interested in accessing that resource, having uh, Damien uh, come to their institution and, and facilitate the a, a, a one-day course around cultural awareness. And, you know, that, that's being offered to the schools. If they're interested in doing that, all they need to do is call the office and uh, we'll make arrangements uh, between the school and uh, and Damien to, uh, to see that come to uh, fruition. Yeah.
0: It's a cultural awareness course as it relates to First Nations peoples, and it's been a minute. I did that course for you guys a few years ago, and it was
1: uh, very well. Received. Yeah, and it
0: was part of the roadshow. <laughs> um, I remember, so yeah. it was kind of bouncing around the province. Of course, there's been some additions to it, and it shifted a little bit. But the essence of it is very much the same. And yeah, it's one of the th- the things I'm passionate about. Is if I can help educate people on some of the things that are in my spectrum, then I'm, I'm super happy to do so. And we did, we've did we done this with uh, OVCMT before. I think you're offering it not just for students, but for staff of those schools as well.
1: Yeah, so for so, so the school, if, if the faculty and the student body wish to attend, there's no cost to the organization. We're, we're covering the, uh, the total costs of, of this. So if they're interested, um, as I say, just contact the office and, um, and we can arrange for that to occur. Awesome.
0: Speaking of courses, I noticed that you have the dates up for the new symposium, the Rehabilitation Symposium in 2020. Can you give us a heads up on that one? Yeah, so I
1: can can speak in some general terms. So uh, the the 2020 symposium is going to be on rehabilitation. Um, We're right now uh, contacting a number of um, internationally recognized presenters who uh, hopefully we'll be able to to bring forward these folks to talk to our members. We're actually uh, not only inviting our membership to attend, which we've always had great uptake from the membership, but also... Uh, some other health professions such as the physios and, and chiros. I think rehabilitation is a is a huge um, topic. And so, you know, I think there's going to be keen interest. We're hoping to have a sellout. It'll, again, it'll be held uh, in uh, New Westminster.
0: The exact date for the Rehabilitation Symposium is April 17th and 18th, 2020.
1: Because we're uh, we're in the throes of a uh, celebration of sorts of the uh, the uh, association's time in operation, we're going to have a reception after the uh, after the event as well. So you know, hopefully um, we can build some collegiality and fraternity by having folks uh, hang around after the uh, after the event on the Saturday.
0: So it's a it's not just a symposium, but it's a celebration of yeah. longevity.
1: You got it. <laughs>
0: awesome. Um, the symposiums are traditionally very good. I've been to a number of them, and sometimes I wasn't even attending the courses. I pop in and out, and <laughs> they've been really, really good and top-notch presenters each each one that I've been to. So they're well worth the the money. It's not a symposium, but in other similar news, you are putting out a new grad workshop. Can you fill us in on the details of that?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that um, that we've noticed is that we've had, uh, you know, we had tremendous uptake with the students. But as soon as they graduate, they don't always become members. And that's somewhat uh, troubling f- for us. So uh, what we will be doing is we'll be holding a uh, new grad workshop workshop. Uh, in uh, the spring of 2020, um, basically for those individuals who graduated and are just entering into their practice, um, we'll be bringing on board a number of speakers to talk about, you know, the the ins and outs of, of setting up their practice, the things that they should be aware of as they look for new um, opportunities of working as either, you know, uh, sole practitioners or working in a clinic. Sweet.
0: Yeah, it's really useful as a new practitioner to pick people's brains so that you don't end up starting businesses and shutting them down and losing money. Switching gears a little, there was a recent election and I'm curious how things turned out.
1: The election actually results uh, uh, came on the 13th. Of course, I was away, so uh, this week we'll be making the announcement around that. There were six positions uh, available uh, with seven candidates who applied. I don't want to kind of announce it here today, but um, that will be going out uh, in a formal sense uh, in this week's e-newsletter. And again, it'll be announced at uh, this weekend's AGM on Sunday. It's actually one of the first times we've had an election uh, for the association. There were two posi- or the six positions were available. Uh, three were for two-year terms and three were for one-year terms. And the reason for that was we ended up with six positions becoming available due to the fact that we had lost our sequence of elections of what should be happening. So to try and get back on track... The, the two-year and one-year will allow us now to to get back, so that we don't have a huge exodus of, of of board members, which is never good for any organization. So,
0: so the board has completely shifted, is what you're saying, or no? Nope. There... No,
1: nope. we oh, had okay. so we had three individuals who had uh, another term left in their in their time on the board. Uh-huh. Uh, the board is always two-year terms. Okay. So those individuals were not up for election, so we had some stability there. But if we, by moving to the two in one year in this particular election, that will assure us that we always have a at least fifty percent of the board retained with the right. each year. So,
0: Gordon, can you speak to the elections transparency? As this is such an important piece of political action, it makes engagement with such elements, feel fruitful? I think it's
1: important for the membership to to see the transparency when it comes to um, nominations. And so, you know, we had a, uh, this was one of the uh, first times that we actually used electronic voting. So, uh, you know, to make sure that there was no uh, thoughts that, uh, you know, Anything was being done uh, untoward. We engaged a organization called Simply Voting, who actually looks after the voting for a number of large organizations such as the Canadian Nursing Association, uh, Skate Canada, QP, uh, uh, any number of uh, of organizations that do regular elections. And so that it was all uh, it was all done uh, through them electronically. I think the benefit, of course, was that again it. Uh, removed board and staff from the process and probably more importantly it was much easier for the membership in the fact that you could do the voting on your telephone or on your your smartphone on your uh laptop or on your computer so
0: yeah we're getting with the times
1: <laughs> yeah we've, we've moved into the 21st yeah. century <laughs>
0: well, uh, convenience is always useful when it comes to those kinds of things so before the show, we talked about an articulation meeting being held between the RMDBC and the schools. Can you broaden what that means for us?
1: I think it's important that the association has a strong um, relationship with the educational institutions. So I know in with my background, having dealt with the nursing profession, is that um, they um, have regular, usually uh, twice-year meetings with the public, uh, Schools of nursing, um, where the association and sometimes the regulator, in fact, all three come together and talk about the issues that are affecting um, the profession, uh, issues that the schools may not necessarily be aware of and would be able to address within their um, within their institutions through uh, you know enhancements to the curriculum or. So on and so forth, so one of the things that we'll be doing in the in the new year is actually holding an articulation committee meeting, which will basically be an invitation to the schools to send a representative and where we can share our thoughts around you know what, whats what 's working, some of the things that we see from an association's perspective that um, maybe the uh, schools would be able to assist with. And, you know, as an example, um, you know, we see from time to time uh, issues around uh, a lack of professionalism, which isn't, you know, isn't limited to just massage therapy. I think that happens in, in a number of other professions as well. And so, you know, if, if individuals are kind of have a good grounding and that baseline is, is established at, at, during the, their educational experience, you know, they, they get off on the right foot. So, you know, and there may be things that maybe the association can do in respect to developing some resources to help in that. But, you know, none of that can happen if we don't have that dialogue. So so we're hoping to engage the uh, the schools um, later this year in, in having that event. Great.
0: How many schools are there in our province now?
1: We have seven.
0: Seven. Speaking of numbers... Prince Edward Island just got regulated. That means there's a fifth province that's been regulated now, five being the magic number as it relates to HST and GST exemption for registered massage therapists. What are the next steps that are happening as it relates to bringing this to
1: reality? If you haven't already um, gone on to the RMT Act website.
0: The RMT Act website is RMT. Um,
1: And that website was set up by H&K Consulting, which is the organization that actually supported the natural Pass in getting their GST HST exemption back in 2014. Uh, They Mm -hmm. have set up this website. This is going to be a long drawn out process. I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, people may have been of the view that, uh, you know, we get a fifth province uh, instantly the uh, politicians in uh, in Ottawa and in each of the provinces that are regulated, would uh, would suddenly say, "Okay, you guys are exempt." It doesn't quite work that way. There's a lot of lobbying that is going to have to occur, and some of that lobbying we're going to be asking our members to be engaged in. So, I you know, I'd ask that if you have if they haven't already, members should check out the RMT Act website. Um, further to that, is that not only is H and K Dealing with the GST HST issue. But one of the benefits of having that consulting company, and they were actually brought on board by the uh, Massage Therapy Association in Ontario initially, is that part of their uh, duties will also be to expose the profession of massage therapy to the politicians and to the policymakers across Canada, so that massage therapy is seen as a integral partner in the delivery of healthcare services to patients across the country. So I think that that's a, you know, that's a very important message that hasn't always been articulated. And I think that having, uh, you know, having the, uh, those individuals who are policy makers become aware of the benefits of massage therapy and the resources that are available particularly as we know that governments struggle with the costs uh, of healthcare increasing that you know, massage therapy can be a viable partner and one that can, in fact, help them to reduce their costs. And, and I and I say that given the fact that, uh, you know, a report was recently released by the American Massage Therapy Association around the opioid act issue happening in the United States and how massage therapy, particularly in a study with the Veterans Administration, they've seen tremendous reductions in the use of opioids because of the intervention of massage therapy. So I think That kind of research, which we will will be sharing with uh, H&K, will help to uh, bring the profession into and expose the profession to a greater extent to those policymakers. And uh, I think that's all good stuff. so.
0: So a small but very helpful piece of professional activism would be to visit the website.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so you know members are at, members are encouraged to go on there and uh write their comments and one of the things that would be very very helpful is that if members have patients who are willing to put in testimonies as to how um helpful massage therapy has been in their rehabilitation or in the de- the delivery of health care, that would be very very meaningful and is a very strong message that we'd like to take to the um the powers that be in ottawa and in the uh, provinces uh, when that time comes you know testimonials are, are very you know are, are crucial to this process so you know i'd encourage our membership if again if they haven't done so or if they have patients who are who they know would be supportive of uh, massage therapy if they can get them to also go onto that website and put their testimonials that would be really helpful
0: So, any final comments to round us out for today?
1: The association is here to serve the membership. We are the voice of, of the profession in the province of BC and both nat- and nationally. British Columbia has and will con- has, has, has and continues to show uh, leadership at the national level. You know, we're we're developing strong partnerships, but none of that happens without the support of our members. So. You know, I encourage individuals if they're thinking of not, of, of leaving the association, I'd ask them to think again, um, because it is their, it is their profession. And I think a strong association is a strong voice and it allows us to deal with things such as this HST. Uh, exemption issue. It helps us to improve the profession by having dialogue with the educational institutions. It helps us in uh, our discussions with the uh, regulator, uh, so on and so forth. So, you know, it, a, a strong association is only as strong as the membership. So, you know, I encourage individuals to uh, to see what we're, check out our website, uh, stay tuned for our e-newsletters and Okay. We go from there.
0: Appreciate it, Gord. Have a very good day. All the listeners out there, have a very good day. And we will talk at you next time.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Damien.
0: One final note, if you're listening to this show before September 22nd, the AGM, the RMTBC's AGM is on September 22nd. It's in Burnaby. You can register online or by phone. The first 75 registrants get a free yoga mat. There's door prizes, there's gonna be a self-care workshop, and there's continental breakfast. Plus, you get to be involved. So, please attend.